What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I'm excited for this conversation. I've talked a lot about the power of set collecting over the last several weeks, and I was on a mission to find someone that I can talk about this with. I have found that guy. I'm joined by Jason. You know him as Ginter Gold Fever on Instagram. He is a 2006 Topps Allen and Ginter aficionado, and he is a nut about this set. More on that later. But we explore the power of connecting with the set and what that can do to your hobby experience. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, all the buttons. Most importantly, tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Excited about this conversation today. Um, if you've been listening the last uh, month or so, you've heard me talk a lot about set collecting. Just one of my goals going into this year, diving in, um, kind of exploring different lanes to collect and find that passion. And set collecting is definitely one of them. And it was funny when I had asked the community, "Hey." Everyone, let me know more and more about set collectors. Who are you following? Who are you liking? Today's guest was brought up uh, by several people, and we had already had several interactions, so it just made sense to make this happen. So I am joined by Jason. You might know him on Instagram, at Ginter Gold Fever. We're going to talk about his set of choice, which is the 06 Tops Allen and Ginter set, along with his collecting and other things. But without further ado, Jason, welcome. How are you doing, man? Thank you, sir. I am so excited to be here. Uh, I'm doing well. It's it's nice morning time out here in California. And uh, like we said before, I could talk about 2006 A&G all day. So let's do it. I know you can. And we're, we're going to get there. I'd love to maybe start here just about uh, learning a little bit about just obviously if you open up your page, you look at the cards, uh, follow you at all, you can tell really quickly that you are not only a passionate collector, but someone who is uh, very connected to the game of baseball. So I, w- I would love to learn just maybe a little bit about just like your history with baseball and uh, collecting and just the intersection there. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. So let's see. I grew up in California. I grew up in the Bay Area here. Uh, I went to a lot of Giants games as a kid, but then uh, somehow became a diehard A's fan. So uh, I'm 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 still a diehard A's fan. I'll I'll root for the Giants as long as they're not playing for playing my A's. And I love the underdog nature of the A's. I love the scrappiness of that park. Um, if you've ever been there, you know it's probably the worst park in all of baseball. Uh, but you know I've I've really enjoyed that over time. I love those A's teams, uh, especially in those 2000s. I I went to many many games. Uh, it was a big part of my identity back then too. And, um, that's, uh, any, any set collector or any collector will tell you, obviously there's a lot of nostalgia and personal connection to anything that they collect. And that's certainly the case here with this set, but collecting has always been there for me. My mom used to say I would collect empty chip bags, uh, weirdly enough from the playground. I remember picking up pens and pencils at the end of school every year and just collecting those. I had way too many collections I need to collect really it's it's just a part of me and so I don't know where it comes from I think that's the mystery of it all <laughs> of uh I, I I constantly try to figure out why I collect and uh and why I collect what I collect and there's some known there and there's but there's lots of unknown so yeah I, I mean I still love baseball I don't love it as much as I used to but I do love collecting I love baseball cards 
And I love, you know, these connections to when I loved and when I was obsessed with baseball before everything else in life took over. So when we, I love the chip bags and um, all of that, the pins, um, I think anyone out there can relate at some level with some obscure collection uh, you've built over time. And that's kind of maybe helps us graduate into these sports card collectors we are today. But if if uh, you think about the hobby and you just look on Instagram and think about all the different ways people collect, think I don't know. Like the most popular to me is like I I see player collectors. You see player collectors all the time, um, and you see a bunch of different ways. But then I think kind of maybe what gets lost a little bit, but there's a lot of powerful stories is just overall set collecting. Maybe like since you are one, before we get into the set and talk more about that, but like what are those maybe traits that you think define the set collector or help make up uh, the set collector to go out and go explore and find um, all of these cards and, and kind of create this or create this project that has kind of like a start and a finish. Like, how would you describe it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned player collectors there too. Player collectors share a lot of this, I would imagine, but player collectors are also my worst enemy because I can never get anything from them. <laughs> they are, uh, they are really, the two two trades I would always point to here that I've talked to a lot of people about are obsession, being obsessive. I am obsessive about a lot of things. Um, and so I can easily obsess about this set um, and staying disciplined, obsessive and disciplined. I have that. I don't know if that what that's what always makes a great set collector, but I certainly have that. I, I try to use restraints everywhere. Um, like I mentioned before, I have to collect. I have a need to collect. I have purged a lot of my collections, but that has made me focus much more of my attention on this one. So that's been huge for me is staying disciplined there. You know, purging is purging other cards in support of your of your main PC. It feels so good. Uh, even if it's a $10 card that you're getting rid of, um, I like getting rid of that. I like being able to be disciplined in that way. Um, and then finally, I would say, you know, there's so many ways to add. Uh, it's not just eBay. There's a There's a bunch of different channels now. And I'm I am obsessively, religiously, I would say, checking at least 20 channels every day, making sure that I'm not missing anything. And it feels good finding a new channel that nobody else that I think knows about. Um, you know, and uh, it's not just eBay and Mercari and Facebook and Twitter. It's it's a lot of the other unknown ones that are out there. So that helps with the pleasure of collecting, but it also goes back to being disciplined, staying obsessed and disciplined, staying focused. I'm going to say obsessed a lot in this conversation uh, because uh, I think it's a true trait of mine um, and a true trait of most of the set collectors that I've talked to for sure. What a wonderful segue because I was, I was honing in on that word because you had used it so many times and I think obsessive is something that anybody in the hobby we can relate with at some level, but on the, in the set collecting uh, sphere of things um, as obsessive is maybe a, a net, there's a next level because you know, you're building something, there's a project in your, there are holes in this project. And if you have holes in that project, then you want to do whatever you can to fill those holes. And typically those are cards that you can't find. Um, so you're constantly exploring. So I think obsessive, like outside of the hobby, you use that word, like it's not necessarily a very attractive trade or word, but when you're thinking about obsessive in the hobby, I think it's a, almost an admirable trait. So maybe like go a little deeper since you said it so many times, like when you say obsessive, like 
maybe so people can understand, like, what are some of the things that you're doing that that you describe yourself as an obsessive set collector? <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah, it's not always a positive a positive word to use. Um, I think honestly, I'm 43 years old. I have gone through uh, a lot of self reflection in in my time as a person and a collector and. Uh, I use obsessive in a positive way. It is, uh, I would say, the way that I enjoy the hobby and the way that I enjoy the set collecting is not always just about adding a card. It's having an Instagram page. It's it's writing about the set. It's interviewing ex tops employees that uh, that I have tracked down through LinkedIn and other channels just to feed that obsession to learn more about why they chose this card or this color. Um, it's researching. There's, there's a lot of mystery uh, about an intentional mystery about Ellen and Ginter that tops either just absentmindedly left out or intentionally left out that fuels a lot of that obsession as well that I try to lean into. Uh, we have our, uh, I've created a little Ginter nuts community. Shout out to the Ginter nuts. I've actually got the shirt on today. I made but you know we lean on each other all the time. We're always helping each other out, and I think there's a lot of fun in that obsession. You can you can relate to each other in that way too. So it's not just about adding the cards because I don't have that many cards left to add. I've got I'm 93% of the way through this set. And these last cards are going to be really tough to find. It doesn't help to constantly obsess about those cards, but you can obsess in so many other different ways. And so um, I've considered it a, a true positive and, and a a true, uh, uh, really the, the most productive way of, of being able to, to, to finish the set. I love it. And we're going to like majority of this conversation is going to be around this set, but before we get there, I'd love to maybe understand from your perspective, like the decisions that collectors have when they're evaluating like the set, because it is not something that is like transactional. You don't just say like, I'm going to collect this set. And then you wake up on a Tuesday and then all of a sudden on Wednesday, the set is over with like, this is an undertaking. Like we've all, see, like there, all these things have to be lined up. Like has to be the right sport. The cards have to look cool. Like there's all of these elements and you've obviously gone through this and we're going to get to the set specifically, but like, how would you talk about like the decisioning and the, like making those moves to decide, okay, this, this is something I'm going to go after. Like, what are some of the things that went on for you when you were doing this the first time? Yeah, it is a process for sure. So this, this that came out in 2006, I still remember finding that first Randy Johnson uh, 2006 A&G card. I remember pulling it out of a mystery pack and just connecting with it amongst the many other cards that were in that pack. Uh, I've collected ever since then. I wouldn't say I've been going after the master set ever since then, but I've collected wholeheartedly that set since then. I will, you know, from it's different for everyone, as you kind of alluded to. It's uh, it's whatever connects with you. I never want to yuck anybody's yum, as uh, another uh, a famous podcast likes to say. But I would say for me, when I was early COVID, when we were all in early COVID trying to figure out what to do, uh, and many of us going through our collections, I was going through everything. I had, you know, tens of thousands of cards that um, that you know many years of Allen and Ginter heritage. Older cards from Junk Wax that I collected when I was young um, and comic cards and all kinds of other things. Like I mentioned, I collected a lot of things. Nothing connected with me like that 2006 A&G set that I found in a binder. And I just, I knew at that point that I wanted to get rid of some things. And then I asked what I asked myself what I wanted to get rid of. And it was, a lot of it was very obvious what I needed to get rid of. 
But as I dwindled it down even further and I looked at these cards and felt them and uh, remembered what that was like, you know, collecting them back in 2006 and up until like 2015, I collected A&G up until that point and then just kind of gave up. It was extremely obvious to me. It's not always going to be, you know, that feeling for everyone, but it was extremely obvious. I needed to just focus on this one set. So from that point on, I got rid of almost everything else. Uh, in support of funding this obsession. Uh, and, um, you know, you mentioned the design. That's a huge part of it for me is the, I love portrait cards. I'm not really that interested in action shots. This has that. I love old and new mixed together. It's a true mashup. It's a, these are new cards that look vintage. I love that too. Um, and I loved those players. These were, you know, Pujols and Johnson, Maddox, and all those big hurt was on the A's, which is weird, um, but really cool. And so, uh, just a just a magical baseball time for me. And it was uh, I, I look at these cards every day. I'm you know constantly flipping through my minis, and I just I still love it as as much as I did back then. So it 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 was a process. It's a really self reflective, you know, what do I care about kind of a process that you have to ask yourself. So we go through these evolutions in the hobby. And I think part of the evolution is, you know, honing in on the new obsession. And once you hone in on the new obsession, you realize, okay, this is, this is, this is, this set is going to cost me a lot of money to be able to complete. And you look at the equity in your collection and it's like, okay, well, because I'm, I'm going on this exploration, some of this other stuff to me right now doesn't feel as significant. And so then I need to go through the process of liquidating those things so I can then go fund the new project. This happens all the time. A lot of times we don't even talk about it. This is just what we do. Uh, but you said like, it to, It sounds like when you decided to go in on 06, Alan and Ginter, there was kind of a, a massive like consolidation or liquidation of your current PC. Maybe talk a little bit about like, once you did, like, how did you do that? And then like, once you did that, was it one of those things that you like regretted still thought about those cards or were you just like on to the next one? Yeah. So I used eBay mostly. Um, I like, I like selling on eBay for a lot of reasons. Um, and this was early on before I started my Instagram page. I, so mostly eBay, I will say some Facebook marketplace and I would say still now I sell some on Instagram to collectors that I know um, and we help each other out in that way. Once I made the decision to sell, there was no looking back. There were no regrets. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pleasure in, in like, you know how you feel about your collection. You know how you feel about your PC. You want other people to feel that way. And if this card is going to help somebody else feel that way, that's huge. That that's a, uh, there's a lot of pleasure in collecting for me in that way too. I I believe that cards, certain cards belong in certain collections and to certain people. And so if they're finding that on, on eBay, I want them to have that. You know, I I it's great to have the funds to support my PC, but man, is it it's a great feeling finding the collector that really cares about uh, about the cards and and I know that they're gonna have that same feeling about those that I am about mine. It was cool to have them for a long time, but it's so much better knowing that they're they're in a collection where it matters more. Okay, so talk a little bit about the 06 Allen and Ginter set for anyone who is unfamiliar because the only way I am familiar because I don't collect baseball is just going on your page and looking at it. So like what is it about this set? Like talk about the construct. You mentioned some of the the Hall of Famers that make up it, but but share a little more. Yeah. For sure. Let's talk about this all day. How much time do you got? <laughs> <laughs> the dive in. Uh, 
Okay, so in the uh, in the 1880s, uh, it was a tobacco card company, tobacco company called Allen and Ginter. They included the first ever full color baseball cards. There were cards before that. Um, these were lithographic full color cards, first time ever. Uh, many other cards came since then and copied copied that, but they were the first ever to do it. Uh, and then in 2006, Topps re resurrected, uh, I would say, the brand within. Truly like an almost identical look. They made some changes there, but it was a tribute to that original full color brand um, with Hall of Famers, uh, with a lot of baseball players, uh, but with a lot of non-baseball players. So there's Danica Patrick, there's Carl Lewis, there's Mike Tyson, Hulk Hogan, historical figures like Lincoln and other presidents. There are true world champions in there uh, that are not well-known. There's Wendy Gooey, who is a spelling bee champion. There's Takeru, hot dog eating champion. I mean, there's like all these other really interesting figures um, amongst the other baseball ones, too. We mentioned that they're portrait cards. These are beautifully done portrait cards that had awesome photo touch uh, artists attached to it. I've, I've interviewed one of them and he was awesome to chat with just much more about like, how do you make these things? There are and any Ginter uh, collector will think this is this is not very much at all, but there are 16 different subsets of this brand. And so that was just in 2006. There are, I mean, I've, I've ripped a lot of uh, ANG lately and there's way more than that now, but there were 16 back then. Most of these are your standard mini parallel sets, but there's a lot of one-on-one parallels, a lot of mysterious cards that are in there that aren't in any checklists. It won product of the year in 2006 as well. And so, um, and they've been making it ever since. I'm, I'm really hoping they get to, you know, to the 20th year uh, at some point here. They did some fun stuff for the 15. Uh, it'd be fun to see what they do for 20. And then finally, I'll say there's, there's, and I think about this number all the time, there's 2,344 cards in the standard, you know, master set of the numbered cards. I'm 93% of the way there, but like we talked about before, most of the cards that I need now are, serial number to 25 or, or 50. And so it's going to be, and these are nondescript players, cards that people like us, they just have them sitting in their shoe boxes, sitting in their collections from ripping back in 2006 that I might never see, but uh, it'll be fun to get there. Is there something about 06 that stands out to you in contrast to other years? Like what is it about this specific year that you're a nut about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's the first year. It's the first uh, first year, which is huge. It's a compared to other Ginter years, it's not as complicated. I mentioned sixteen subsets. It sounds complicated, but it's trust me, it's not as complicated as other years. I love that it's the first year. I love that it includes uh, a lot of those players that I mentioned. Um, this is a just a seminal year for me in baseball fandom and who I identified with. And so I think there's a lot of that that goes into it. Uh, but the design is perfect. There's some other great Ginter designs, but the design to me is just perfect. I look at it and I, I have this really deep connection with uh, just what is being presented and what it means to me. And, you know, again, a lot of it is knowable. So much of it is unknowable. I will never understand why I, uh, why I love it as much as I do, but, uh, but it's, it's those things that I do know that I would, that I would point to. Talk to me a little bit about the curation on your page. Um, it is very intentional. It is unique. Like there are accessories. It is, I, I you can tell you're not just like taking a picture and posting a card up uh, every day. Like you're, there's some meaning behind it. So share a little more there. Thanks so much for saying that. Yeah, it's been a process. I've been on there for now almost three years. Um, I 
I, I really hope that what comes through there is how much I love these cards. It's not to say anything negative about people that just post cards. I think there's people love that too. Um, but I wanted to put more into it. It kind of goes back to what I was saying before. The uh, There's so many other ways of enjoying collecting. And it's not just about having the cards. It's about making the cards even more presentable. It's about honoring them, the, the figures. And a true, I put it on my page, it's a tribute to this set. I love flat lay photography. And, you know, if you're a film person, uh, if anybody listening is a film person, you know who Wes Anderson is. I love Wes Anderson's style. And I think that probably comes through here in, in a few different ways. I just wanted to do something different. I get a lot of like ephemera and collecting that too. Uh, another kind of indirect connection, uh, indirect collection that shows up in a lot of what I'm able to do in these pictures. Uh, that's been huge for me. So. I love it more. It's way more enjoyable that way. Like if I'm getting a new art card, I love to surround it by things that really accent that art card. Um, and if I like, you know, there's all kinds of new one-on-ones that I can add. There's all kinds of new things that I can do. Reels make it fun. Painting. I'm not a great painter at all. Uh, you can tell by what I'm doing there in the background sometimes, but it's just fun to, to add in some nuance there uh, and to, put paint on canvas and uh, and try to make a tribute that way too. So talk a little bit about the, maybe some fun stories you have, obviously with the set this massive uh, and it, it being a huge undertaking, I'm sure there's been some fun stories of acquisitions along the way. Like what stands out to you as you go on and build this set over a long period of time? Yeah. Most of the fun, honestly, has come from just meeting people and talking to them and learning uh, from them. Uh, you know, so I, whenever I've, there's been a few times where I bought big Ginter collections um, that have, have really propelled my collection forward. That I've, you know, these are sometimes there was one that was a a guy was selling for his brother who was older, elderly, um, and just ready to to get rid of some things. I started to build that relationship and just learn as much as I could. I, I love provenance. I love learning about these other collectors. And so they were, they were, um, they were generous enough to just offer some insight into why they collected what they did. I bought a lot of framed original birds from them. That's another unique part of this set. You, you find, uh, you find a lot of original tobacco cards that are framed. Most of them are birds. I love that. This guy loved that. I love connecting with them. That was, that was extremely enjoyable. Um, I love building the community. I mentioned the Ginter nuts before that's, there's only like nine or 10 of us, but man, is that, that's, that's a lot of fun associated with that as well. Um, the Instagram page makes everything more fun, putting some more effort into that. I've got ideas of things that will sustain me while the cards aren't there. <laughs> that's huge. Ripping boxes live on Instagram has been so much fun, you know, interacting with, with collectors that way. Uh, we mentioned my daughter before my daughter gets into it. And so she, she gets up there and starts ripping. She pulls most of the hits. And so I like to use her hot hands as much as I can. That's, that's been fun. What else here? Um, started a blog just to write about it. I started collecting in different ways. Like there's the 51 uh, official autos in the set, but there's almost 200 and there's a little over 290 people that could sign their card. So I've tried to, get them all to sign their cards to make an unofficial auto collection as well. So just kind of adding to the collection myself. And then, uh, you know, the final thing here I would say is just research. I love research. I love finding out about what's out there. 
even if I'm not going to purchase this last bazooka back mini that I need, it's just nice to know where it is and how that person found it. Um, and you know, like putting together the mysterious, uh, checklist of these framed originals that does not exist. And you're finding picture proof of cards that people don't even know about. That's huge. So that's where most of the fun comes from. Honestly, I document everything and I love that. I, uh, talk a lot about just like finding your, uh, niche community around whatever you collect. And if you do that and you shrink the hobby, see, and then all of a sudden you're interacting with people that collect what you collect, all the other distractions of the things that you don't like seem to lessen, or at least it does for me. And so obviously like you have the the website, the page, uh, gintergoldfever.com. And I just thought like, I read the headline, you know, you're like building a community around the greatest set of all time. And to me, that just seems so powerful to know that like, you're not the only one who is so passionate about this set, but there are other people out there too. Maybe like share a little bit more about like that community, even though it's smaller, that community of people that are like you and collecting the same type of stuff as you. Yeah. I appreciate you giving me some time on that. Yeah. It's uh, I've seen a lot of your stories and advice about shrinking the hobby C2. And I love that. It's, it's so true. It's uh, sometimes it's hard to put, you know, words to how that feels, but I think that's, that's, that's one of the, you know, unintentional uh, results of a lot of the things that I've done is is not just creating the community, but learning from these other collectors too. So, you know, what's true about Ginter collectors is that most of them will not be on social media. They are recluses. They, I've learned this. I'm like the only uh, one that I know is so vocal about what I have and, and how I find it and, and all that. So like, you know, there are a couple of them are on Instagram, Ginter Wood Minis, insane collection of wood minis, as you can imagine, thousand plus uh, BB and Ginter Collector is another guy that's trying to complete all the bazooka minis and a lot of the wood minis from 2017, Crackboard Junkie, another one, one day I'll get him to actually post some more. But what, I mean, really what connects us all is that we're all, Ginter is so expansive that it allows for all kinds of different ways to collect it. I collect 2006. I will collect some things from other areas, but one guy collects all the wood minis. One guy is interested in as much of the rare things as they can from 2006 and a few other wood minis from other areas. Another guy could be collect, collecting just the insert minis, but we all know we all know what it takes. We all are obsessed. So we, we kind of uh, we identify that in each other. We support each other in that way, in a really healthy way, um, and, and enable each other to, uh, to continue collecting. And honestly, building out the Instagram community, building out this page, building out community in a lot of other areas, we have found so many other things that we would not have found on our own. Uh, Ginter Grass is another one. That guy has an insane non-baseball collection. He sends, he and others have sent me all kinds of leads uh, that I just would not have seen. I don't have, nobody has the bandwidth to find all these things. But if you have people you know, looking out for you and you can look out for them in certain ways. It's so helpful, not, not just for your PC, but just in, in making friends, uh, and, and building community in that way. So I will say the common bonds there are that Ginter collectors are recluses and rarely will they make an appearance on social media, uh, and, uh, like trying to get them on video for any kind of interview is going to be real tough, <laughs> but, um, but we all have this love for whatever reason of these what tops calls weird and wacky uh, 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 cards. 
Well, I'm glad you can be the uh, uh, the uh, Ginter representative for the community on this episode um, and sharing a little bit more for us people who don't understand or don't know. So we appreciate that, Jason. Um, I listen to you talk, listen to your passion around this collection, this set, and I think about like, man, if I were to start a new set tomorrow, like my hope would be, you know, in two, three years, five years from now, I would be communicating about it like you are like talking about community building blogging website uh you know constant focus chase like i think it's really admirable i guess a lot of people out there might not be set collectors but they might be interested uh maybe share some words of wisdom or advice in closing of like what are some things that if you were in their shoes that you would consider when going off on this new uh exploration or endeavor for to find a set that they can connect with as much as you do um, with 06 Allen and Ginter. Yeah. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, and it's, it's been a lot of fun doing all this. Um, it's, it's not always fun. So I'll say, you know, be patient, um, make sure number one, if nothing else, make sure it's something that you actually love. You know, you do a great job of this with all of the, all of the Colts cards that I see on your page, uh, the Peyton cards. I see a lot of other great collectors that just, are so passionate about their player PC or their set PC. And that just really comes through. So that makes all the difference. It, it really should be something, in my opinion, something that you love and that you connect with. Like I mentioned before, I purged everything else and that has really made all the difference. I don't, I'm not distracted by a lot of other things. I'm, you know, if I ever make a, a, a regrettable purchase, I will find somebody that can really get pleasure from that and, uh, and then continue along the path. I'm not perfect in being disciplined either. Patience is huge. Uh, like I mentioned before, I've been doing this now for 17 years on this one set. I know people that have been looking for one card for 25 years. That takes patience. And it's, uh, I think it's not always going to be eBay fines. It's going to be, there's going to be a lot of small wins along the way. I'm at a point where every win can be huge, even though these are small cards, they mean a lot to me. But if you're just starting out, you're going to find all kinds of great stuff. You're going to be inundated with all kinds of fun stuff. So really try to stay focused on there. Learn as much as you can too about it. That's been huge for me. I mentioned there's 16 subsets. I know everything about all of them. I shouldn't say I know everything. I know a lot about uh, about all of them. I think that the research part, the you know, just the why they exist in the first place part has really helped me fill your voids with activity, not cards. You know, not not getting distracted by other cards has been huge. And then lastly, I will say collecting outside of Instagram. Uh, collecting can be lonely. It can, you can be very discouraging. You know, you're not always going to find a card that you're looking for, but man, if you can, if you can get your, find your people, as we've talked about, um, and just enjoy the, the hobby as a, uh, as a collector and try to try to stave off any of the depression that can come, you know, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal for me. That's a big deal. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I try to stay as active as possible. I hope that speaks to some people that are out there too. But uh, man, those communities that you build are huge. Listening to great podcasts, not to blow smoke here, but uh, but podcasts like yours and others, it's huge. I just heard somebody say, you know, they love to listen to these podcasts on their drive, on their commute. Those things matter. They really matter. Um, just try not to get discouraged and try to be patient. You can find him on Instagram at Ginter Gold Fever. Jason, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your passion. Really enjoyed this conversation. You're the man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So much passion and energy 
from Jason around 06, Tops, Allen, and Ginter. Hopefully that came through. I'm inspired by these kinds of conversations. You're diving into a new set. There's a lot of good nuggets that you can learn from how Jason has gone all in on 06, Tops, Allen, and Ginter. Hopefully you can pick those up. You take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back. More stacking slabs always next week. Take care. Take care.